0: So for our video watchers slash listeners, whatever you are on YouTube, you can see I'm sitting in a new room today. I apologize if there's a little bit of echo. I'm going to do my best to cut it off in post. But Cameron, I'm up in uh, Grass Valley area with Juliana. We tried to record at a place uh, at a time when I was up here before and it just didn't work out. But the internet's getting ironed out. We are working on a studio room for her to work in and I'll probably be recording podcasts and whatnot. Um... There's a lot that goes into creating, like, an audio workspace, man. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, for sure. I was – I mean, I was thinking about that with just, like, how much gear and how much um, power and just other other things you need to actually, like – get something set up. Um, but it's cool. I mean, even like the little things, like we were talking about stands, like, you know, mic stands or whatever, um, just like everything adds up, but, um, it's definitely, it's cool that you guys are setting out a, a space. I know she has like a little studio, um, at her parents' house, but, um, you know, this is cool to have something dedicated. Yeah.
0: It's pretty nice. There's definitely space in the house for it. And, yeah you'd be surprised like this music stand that I'm recording on now like the the local music shop charged <laughs> me like 40 dollars for it and I was like geez man yeah. I mean it's nice but so people don't realize like from just the cable itself to like the stand it's expensive but it's a good thing we have um you know big money bags Darren for uh, all these purchases <laughs> right
1: <laughs> I guess so speaking of Darren Hello and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film we watched Arrival, directed by Denis Villeneuve and starring Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. Um, this was chosen by Darren O'Neill. Um, he is our Patreon executive producer. There was a vote technically, but uh, we it ended in a three-way tie, so we deferred to his decision. Um, and you know, it's all of them were good. They were, you know, everything that we would have watched would have been a good discussion. Um but this is gonna be an interesting one, I think. Isaac, how are you doing today?
0: I'm well, you know, I'm I'm definitely in the uh the, the gas syndrome chamber where I'm just trying to acquire as much gear as possible to build yeah. out this room and it's probably annoying everybody around me, but it's something I've always wanted to do where um Looking to build some acoustic panels up in on these empty, echoey walls. So uh, I'm I'm excited. I'm doing well. I like being a part of creative projects like this. So I'm feeling I'm feeling filled up. How about you, man?
1: Doing good. I am um, I'm a solo man right now. I'm not working at where I was working, and so I am excited to join other things in you know in the future. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's cool. It's, it's been a good, um, you know, couple weeks for, for the first start of it. So, um, hopefully it'll continue. Yeah. I
0: mean, congratulations, Cameron. That's a, that's a huge move. Do you want to share with the audience any sort of the, any sort of the things that you're diving into or working towards?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll be freelancing, um, uh, you know, general video production, um, Mostly, what I do is camera and lighting, so um, that's kind of what I'm jumping into right now. I'm working. Um, well, I guess I won't. I won't say anything, um, but uh, I don't want to be specific in case things uh, don't go well. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm working for for a couple of exciting projects, um, and uh, yeah, I've I have other things lined up, and it should be fun. And if you know anybody. Um, audience members if you know anybody um, just reach out to us and um, you know I could get in contact so
0: yeah Cameron's super talented he can truly say he's an expert because now he's in the industry hands dug in he's not just a viewer it takes you to the next level when you're actually in the process of producing things to really appreciate where you know film or video or or actual like full-scale production movies come from so um, I'm excited for you, Cameron. I know you're passionate about it and I'm sure the audience is rooting for you too. Well, um, this is cinema spectator, a movie show with a casual me and Cameron, the expert going over a bunch of movies. You can support our show at patreoncom slash ECFS productions, throw a couple dollars our way, getting exclusive access to a commentary track. Last month's commentary track went over blade runner. I had my girlfriend who is not a sci-fi fan sit down and watch this iconic film, uh, her and her OCD breaking it down, but we do a commentary track every month, so you can get access to that for just a dollar. Also, have your ability to have questions read on the show. We'll probably have another question asked by Tim Smith, um, even though I don't want to read it. You know, he'll he'll probably come through uh, for this episode. You can submit your questions on the Patreon messenger. If you don't have a few dollars, it's all good. You can give us a rating on iTunes or tell friends and family. That's all helps the show grow. Now, we're gonna get into Annihilation, which is an interesting film.
1: We we actually do have a question, though, from JD.
0: Oh, yeah. Yes, I forgot about this because uh, it wasn't submitted through the Patreon messenger, which is just un- not allowed, so.
1: It's unacceptable. But you can JD. read it. <laughs> um. Yeah, so, so uh, JD asks, are we ever gonna watch anime on the podcast? Not weeb trash, but like Miyazaki or Akira. Um, this is something that I've thought about in terms of our our sort of exp- you know my my expertise in the show and just sort of the ground that we cover um I'm not particularly familiar with anime. So I would feel almost like a total poser if I was like you know let's show a you know a famous anime. Um the only exception to that would be um would be Miyazaki. Um, I, I have seen several of his movies and, um, you know, it, he's, he's someone that I, you know, a filmmaker that I really appreciate and, uh, would like to cover on the show. Um, but like I said, I don't, I don't feel particularly comfortable in the realm of anime just because I, I, it's like a different universe that I'm not a part of. Um, in terms of animation in general, though, there's definitely uh, things that I want to cover, um, and definitely really interesting areas in sort of the you know the animation realm all around. So um, it's something that that I'd like to get into, but for me personally, it's not my area of expertise. There are so many people who do it better and know it better, um, and yeah, that's that's just that's how I feel about it. So
0: yeah, I mean, I think that exploring anime is something I absolutely don't want to do just because (laughs) I don't like anime or most of the anime I've seen just does not compel me to watch it. I do see some value in maybe reviewing some of the classics or the good ones to break into my thick skull. I mean, I'm very casual. I'm not usually open to even like black and white movies. So I think part of the charm of what we do on this podcast is forcing someone who's not overly interested and to explore those new territories. So who knows? I don't want to rule it out. Um, and I'm sure that some of them can speak to me. I just think my exposure has been so limited and just resulted in eye rolling that, you know, I, I wouldn't be looking forward to something like that. Although an animation month would be awesome. I love animated films. Um, I, I watch a lot of animated stuff actually from the States. So maybe, maybe I'm just, uh, limited in my view. So but yeah, good question. Thanks for writing in JD. Cameron, do you want to take us away into the introduction of annihilation? Wrong movie, Isaac. It's Arrival. Dude, I, that's that's like literally been the problem this whole time. I keep saying the two. Like when I was talking to actually this is super funny because I called up Darren and I was like, "Hey, like you voted on annihilation even though you voted on Arrival." and i was like like what so i guess you could just overrule with your like capitalist power which one you want to which one you want to watch and he was like okay let's push it through we'll do uh, annihilation cuz he got a mixed up too right and i was like awesome and then i'm looking at the poll i'm like wait you voted for arrival and he was like well i thought you said i voted for arrival and i said no wait i thought you said we we're going to watch a Arri- uh, annihilation and he was like oh wait like it's just so confusing. Like these two movies get mixed up in my brain. Uh, both, uh, both those movies are so female. Okay, right? wait, hold on.
1: Which one? <laughs> which one did you watch? <laughs> I, I watched Arrival. I watched Arrival. Okay, good, because um, <laughs> we would have had to postpone the episode. <laughs> um, yes. So Arrival, uh, we are not going to confuse it anymore. Um, it is we, our, Annihilation is a movie that is dead to us at this point, Isaac. No more. We can't talk about it. It's a gr- it's a great movie, but um, you know this is Arrival is the one we're talking about. Um, so yeah, this is a, a movie directed by Denis Villeneuve. Um, this is a uh, French Canadian director, so he um, you know hails from the land of Canada, um, and he started actually working um, you know primarily in uh, French language films. Um, he did two movies. Uh, called Polytechnique and Incendies um, that are sort of his... His introduction to feature length films, and that was in 2009 and 2010. So he is a very new director. Um, he uh, then in 2013 came over to Hollywood um, and started to produce English language films. Um, he directed a movie called Prisoners um, and Enemy in the same year. So two feature length movies in the same year, which is pretty crazy. Both I've seen and both I love. Um, and then he went on to direct the action movie Sicario, um, which takes place, uh, you know, in in Mexico and is sort of a, um, a thriller that, uh, you know, about taking down a cartel leader. Um, and then he directed Arrival in 2016. And um, he, he was kind of on a roll in the, you know, the five years leading up to this because he was, you know, he was... He was pretty well sought out, um, and he at the same time he was working on Arrival. He was actually working on Blade Runner twenty forty nine, um, and that is pretty impressive, uh, given the scope and scale of I would say both of these movies, but uh, but specifically Blade Runner is just. A crazy movie, um, and one that we both have seen, right, Isaac? Yeah, I've actually seen Sicario as well, and Prisoners is
0: on my watch list. So, yeah, I mean, I'm surprised I know all these movies that you're talking about.
1: Yeah, so I mean, they were, you know, these have come out in the past couple of years. He's like a hot budding director. Um, he's making the upcoming Dune remake. Um, and he's like super on a roll. I don't think he's made anything less than, um, a great movie. He, he it's really, you know. He's really talented. So um, I do want to talk about sort of the technical production of this movie, because in some ways um, it really does balance on him as the director. I think in pretty much any other hands, it would have gone terribly wrong. Um, And uh, yeah, but I think first we should talk about a little bit about sort of the characters and the plot. I don't want to give too much away in the first half. Because I think we're going to spoil it heavily because it's really important for the discussion. So, um, Isaac, do you want to talk a little bit about the characters and sort of some of the some of the plot? You know, maybe get to like halfway or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll kind of like do sort of like a back of the box reading of what you know the movie's about. So it follows this communications professor who um, has a pass in security clearance, and she's called out to communicate with extraterrestrial spaceships. Um, There's basically like these looming uh, StarCraft-looking beings, um, and she is tasked with uh, attempting to understand their language and communication, and then the rest follows. But there's also a deep dive of like, sort of trauma and memory engraved in the communication professor's past and and all those things are she's like working through them at the same time so there's a psychological element and um the movie has some pretty strong defined statements in its ending but yeah it's it's a very unique structure for a movie like this like i've never like watching it it feels wholly original which is is um mm-hmm. I think just kind of rare in sci-fi. I mean, even some of his other work, because you mentioned um, Sicario. Like, I had never... When I watched that movie, I don't think I'd ever seen a movie like it in that setting, you know? But it reminded me a lot of, like, a some of, like, the mid-2000s, like, Afghanistan movies or, like, Middle Eastern, like, war movies. So it was, like, pulling from these different areas that I recognize, but setting them up in a way. And, and he has a way of doing that. I think... Um, Blade Runner 2049 more heavily relies on the source material and the, you know, pop culture elements and whatnot. But like this, I was like, I don't, I can't think of a sci-fi movie that I've seen like this. You know, like it's very different. It's very different and it can almost be pulled in a way that's like, it's not even sci-fi. It's just a movie trying to say something too. You know, like that. I that's what I found like so um, interesting about it. Um, So, yeah, of course, it follows the communication professor. There's, like, a a stern military general that seems to have some personal connection with her that calls her out on the mission. And then uh, Jeremy Renner's character uh, is another, like, mathematician scientist who's called out. um, And both the communication professor and the math professor, they're working together to try to decipher and understand uh, the alien's language. So... Yeah, it's um, it's pretty neat. I think it's weird that like there's all this stuff about lockdown in it, and I don't know. Like it was it was strange watching it with uh, my girlfriend because she's like this whole thing around like locking down and being scared of like aliens. Like it doesn't even seem like that traumatic in some ways because of the past year how we'd all been locked in our houses and people are glued to the news and stuff. Like she was like, it's kind of it's kind of weird how desensitized like we might be as a society. That's sort of a side note to that, but it was, it was interesting. It almost felt like the film had reached into the the future and already made comments about what was to come, which I found, um, even more, uh, impactful in its ending statements. Yeah. Cameron, what else do you want to add to the characters?
1: Yeah. Well, um, obviously, uh, this centers around Amy Adams, character, um, and like you said, she's a, she's a linguist, um, you know, a, a, a professor of language. Um, and yeah. And I, I would say overall, I mean, the characters aren't that, um, not that they're not fleshed out, but they're, they're definitely, um, maybe on the weaker side, um, of, you know, characters that we, that we d- dive into on the show. Um. And I think part of the reason is because they, it's more that they, um, sort of stand for something and less that they're like actual people, but also, I mean, you know, what they're going through is very traumatic. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't really make sense to have them like, uh, you know, you know, to have like, I guess, fully fleshed out characters in this, in, you know, in this sequence, they're like on a deadline, on a crunch. And so it works in this way. Um, and, uh, I would say, personally, I think this is one of Amy Adams' best roles. Um, it's really – she she does such a good job, um, not only just being sort of a sympathetic character, but I think she does a really good job of evoking the sort of the sadness of the past, the sadness of, of loss and trauma, um, and, you know, with what you find out as the movie – reveals, um, it's, it's just, it colors the movie even more, um, brilliantly, which is why I, I think this is a movie that you have to watch a couple times, um, or else it, you know, the, uh, and when you do that, the meaning kind of evolves and changes, um, as it goes along. Um, yeah, I would say, um, one of the things that I wanted to bring up, uh, in terms of, technical aspects of this movie was um it was written by a guy named um Eric Heiserer I, I don't know how to, how to say his last name but um he is basically i don't i don't know how much i want to just say this but he's basically a hack um <laughs> uh he's he's he he wrote uh the final destination 5 the thing remake uh, he did Bird Box. Remember that? Uh, remember Bird oh. Box? Oh no, no, not Bird Box. <laughs> so, so this is this is what I mean in that this movie, in basically anybody else's hands, other than Denis Villeneuve, probably would have been terrible. Um, and I think you can see how some things are kind of rough around the edges in terms of like the writing. Um, I don't, I don't think it's like the best written movie ever. Um, but with the with the you know, the performances, um and with the beautiful, beautiful, just like, you know, amazing filmmaking that that went behind it. Um, as well as the score. I mean, gotta shout out Johan Johansson, um, who did the score because it is it is gorgeous and haunting and and beautiful, all in the right places. But um I mean without the the really, really strong visuals, the really strong um, you know, the the interesting editing and and you know kind of way that this movie was put together i think this movie probably would have been trash um and it's funny that i say that because uh, you know it's it's something that i would have ignored um the first time going in to see it because it's just it's just so brilliantly done like it is so amazingly uh, well made that you, you ignore all of the things that are kind of wrong with it. Um, I don't know. do you have anything did you did you pick up on that or, or what?
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I think I want to make it clear like Cameron and I have to get into spoilers like at this point. I think. Yeah. Um, it's especially when you're talking about the writing, it feels like the ending statements are pretty simplistic for how complicated it gets or for as complicated as it is to get there. And it almost feels like someone was given a writing prompt or something like that where, and and this is my interpretation, maybe I'm wrong. I'm just going to tell you what I think the end statement is. Is it sort of saying like, you know, even if you knew, every step in every journey, like you do it all again, like no regrets or whatever, no, no regrets. Right. Like it's, it's sort of like this weird, um, <laughs> like just concluding statement, but the writer takes it in like complete, like in just this direction that is chaotic and including all this information that's not needed in a way. Not, I don't, I don't know how to say it, but it's like aliens and, you know she speaks a bunch of languages and she's in part of this complex like time looping thing that's cutting all the time and like what is the present and what is the future and the past right like you're constantly confused and it's so chaotic up to get to this like one statement that's like i'd do it all again and i'd still say yes you know and i'm like okay <laughs> like like it just seems like a very uh lackluster ending statement that doesn't really have a lot of um like nuance or question in it you know like i i feel like some of the the films that we watch have ending statements that really let you chew on it where this one just kind of drops it and says like you could watch it again to reinterpret the same phrase at the end you know and it's not to say that like that isn't an, an important like brain exercise right to talk about like you know would you do it again even if you knew or I I don't know like I just found it to be like more generic for as original as the rest
1: of the film came across you know but the thing is even if the statement you know is a little bit like no regrets you know whatever um it is so well stated that it almost doesn't matter like it's because it's so it's so brilliantly interlaced with the rest of the movie um and to me, like I love I, I I love the ending uh because it it shifts your it, it's such a brilliant use of of film editing, um because it shifts your expectations from what you would already watch. Um and and it makes you think about things in a totally different way. Um and I think it's I think it's just so so well done, um, even if it doesn't seem like wholly original or doesn't seem like you know like it's 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 kind of a obviously it's a you know it's a tough thing to think about like you know oh if you did know that uh i guess are we super spoiling yeah let's do it okay Um, like if you did know that your, your daughter was going to die in, you know, in, in this, you know, really tragic way, would you still take those times to, you know, to appreciate the life that you've, you've given her and what, you know, whatever else. And it's like, it's like, yeah, that's, but that, you know, as maybe simple or as sort of, um basic as that question might be of like oh if it's the same as like oh if you knew how you were gonna die would you you know would you change the way that you lived or whatever um it's like the same the same kind of thought like it's so well well placed throughout the movie that you you get you know you get the the experiment you get the um you know, the idea of what it's, what it's trying to do. And I think it does it really brilliantly. Um, and for me, what's interesting about this movie is I know we talked about sci-fi as a, as a vehicle to, um, to explore other genres, um, in film, you know, there's, there's Western sci-fi and there's noir sci-fi and, you know, it's a, it, sci-fi is a great way to reinterpret things that we already know and understand, Um, and that's why this movie is so, um, effective because it's reinterpreting a, um, you know, something that we all consider or something that we all kind of, um, think about in terms of, of like our life is like, is like, would we want to know what happened in the future? Would we want to know what, you know, how things affect us in the future? How our decisions that we make today are going to affect us tomorrow? Um, and it takes it to to sort of a next level in terms of of using sci-fi as the means to explore that um, that question, um, and that's why I think it 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 works so well. I would say I can see like where you're coming from with it,
0: and I 100% agree with the statements you're making about the director and the delivery and the execution of it. Really, just amplifying that statement, I think. The one thing I was trying to hone in at is when you were talking about the writer. And it was like, that's kind of like, I can see how he would be weak, right? Like, I could see how that's almost like. What, what's crazy is that it would be like, there's not a lot to go off of, but this movie has so much to go off of, you know? Like, and even as, especially at the ending, like the editing, what you're talking about is the, the effectiveness of like almost like flash cutting in between what's happening in the current timeline, right? Um, to, to scenes with like her daughter or her experience with her future husband and whatnot. Um, and then that, like, there's like that excellent reveal where your mind starts to like run, the hamster starts to run, where you see the image that the girl drew, mommy and daddy talking to animals. And then there's like that bird in the cage, Mm -hmm. which has been like, like you're watching the movie earlier and you're like, why is there a freaking bird in the cage? Like, I don't even understand why, you know? And then like you see that and it clicks and you're like, what is happening? You know, like I'm just, it's so like, I don't know, like that, that was super engaging and different. Like I'd never seen a movie almost, almost like Edgar Wright, like fastly cutting between stuff to show momentum in the movie. Like it's like the, the, the editing says, we trust you as an audience to understand where we're going with this. And you're smart enough to figure it out. And then you're even more engaged. Right. Like I thought that was super impactful. What were we going to say, Cameron?
1: I was gonna say that the bird is the canary in the coal mine obviously so um do do you know about this in like a, a coal mine um if the oxygen um goes down they had a canary and that was like that was how they could tell um whether or not it was it was you know safe to stay in the coal mine um because their birds have smaller lungs gotcha, gotcha. um so they would you know they brought in the birds so that they could know if you know if something went wrong and they could exit. Um, so yeah, but, but you're, you're right in saying that, um, obviously like there's, there's imprints of the past, um, with her, you know, her sort of, um, future self. And at that moment, you don't really, uh, you think that this is still something that she's seeing from the past. Um, you think that this is something that has already happened to her. And what's, what I love about this movie is, um, it plays on your own expectations of how film should be cut and how film should be edited. Um, you know, you, you get this shot and you get this whole opening sequence of, um, you know, uh, the, the story of, um, you know, Amy Adams and her daughter. Um, and so you get this in the beginning and you think, you know, once it cuts to her in the, um, you know, in, at college and her being, um, you know, being a professor and whatnot. Uh, and she talks about, this is the day that, that, you know, they came, um, you think that that's after, um, when in reality it's actually the future and she's, she's telling the story out of order. Um, and she even hints at that. She even tells you, um, She says, I'm not even sure if I believe in beginnings and endings, Um, you know, so so she gives you the sort of the key to the puzzle. But because our minds work in such a linear way, um, you know, we think that this is before when it's really the end. Um, And and it's it's brilliant how, you know, through the experience of the film, you kind of track along with her. Uh, where you know you're 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 starting to reinterpret your own um, thoughts about the film and rearrange it in the same way that they rearrange you know these patterns and rearrange uh, and Amy Adams start to th- starts to think in a nonlinear way. Um, I don't know, I think it's I think it's just really, really effectively done. Um, y- you know you start to you st- by the end you start to, understand along with her that you're seeing things out of order you're seeing time in the future um and for me it's it's really really effective
0: yeah i would agree i think it does a great job with bringing you along as an audience member and something that's confusing and you experiencing that rearrangement that amy adams character is struggling with throughout the film um yeah, like I I think watching this movie again maybe in a few months would be pretty exciting. But I think the ending statement the ending statement's like simplicity made me feel less excited about the movie and not for any good reason. It was just kind of like, "Oh, okay." Like that's and and that's a personal preference thing. Like, I don't think it was anything wrong with the execution because I agree with you. It's it's masterfully done. It's rewatchable and redissectable and all that stuff. I just found some of the um i found myself like really drawn in by the alien design like the setting like there's like this death stranding feel to the fields that they're working in i don't know like everything about the technical direction and the art direction of the film like um had me drawn in and then for it to finish with like sort of one of those like I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but like secret life of Walter Mitty endings, which I I haven't even seen that movie, but it's like, it's almost like a, it's like a life drama statement, you know, like like that's what the film is kind of aiming at, right? It's just done in this sci-fi lens, which, you know, is only fitting for our description of how sci-fi pulls from these different genres. It was just, I think the genre connection came out of left field for me. And I was like, I just had never seen, or or really felt like an effective home run in that sort of crossover. Um, So there's like, there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's, it's very, it's very well done. I just, um, I think I like other blendings of sci-fi subjectively, like, uh, like Noir or something like that. Um, But there's no doubt that there's a, there's just pure excellence in the way that this movie is put together. Um, Cameron, do you want to talk about any production tidbits? Like, I don't know if that field was like particular, if you know anything or about the way that they designed anything in, in the
1: set. Um, do you have any background on stuff like that? Um, I don't really. And I think part of it is because it's, it's such a modern movie. I know it's, it's based on a book, um, called the story of your life, um, but uh, other than that, I mean, I I don't really have a um, uh, I don't I don't really have any um, major tidbits.
0: I was gonna, I was gonna say, do you know if the the book that it's based on is a sci-fi book? I have no idea. Yeah, like I'm just for me, I'm like I wonder if that was like just that weird blending, just to further prove like what we were talking about about sci-fi like crossing genres because. It, I mean, it would make sense if it was based on a book, but I was just like, I wonder because this alien stuff is so out of left field when you think about the ending statements, you know, like I'm like, what the like, I I, don't, it, I just, yeah, it's, it can, it's a little trippy and out there. So,
1: well, I would say I would say that's kind of what what makes it um, interesting, though, because if you just had a movie where, you know, it was about, um, you know, if it was just like, oh, I'm a, I'm a woman who can tell the future, ah, you know, it's like, that's that's less interesting. The journey of the the exp- or the experiencing her sort of come to the realization that she can affect things both in the future and in the past um, is kind of part of what's fun and unique about the setup of the story. Um, and I, I think, you know. I think sci-fi is the perfect realm to do this, um, experimentation. Um, you know, I mean, we talked to, uh, w- you, you talked about sort of, um, the ending is, is simplistic, but also, you know, the, the, you hated the end of 2001, which is very, you know, metaphorical and, uh, you know, experiential and doesn't really, you know, doesn't really lend itself to, um, you know, being taken literally in, in any one way or another. Um, and so, I don't know, I feel like in my opinion, I would rather have something that is, you know, um, excellently put together and has, you know, a concrete, um, ending or a concrete, uh, you know, question that it's trying to answer, um, than something that is kind of nebulous and shapeless and, you know, doesn't really, you know, is kind of not, not as um concise to think about as as this movie personally that's just me
0: but it it seems like a statement that is sealed you know like it's like it's done it's said and i don't like just i think personally and maybe other people feel differently but i wouldn't ha- i didn't feel like there was a lot to chew on once it had been said you know like does that kind of make sense i want some openness to like ponder on. Whereas like, if it's so open, I just am like, I give up because it could literally mean anything, you know? And, and so like, I, I can hear people disagreeing with me, right? There's a lot you can chew on after this one. Just for me personally, I was like, okay, like that's just, and, and I I don't like, it's not even really a mark against the movie besides the fact that I'm like, I could revisit it to re like to understand the structure of editing and things like that, but I don't think the statement in the end of the film is going to change. Whereas now that I'm becoming a casual that has a tiny backlog of films, right? Like I feel like I could go back and watch the apartment, which we watched a few months ago and pull something, um, just as impactful that would apply to me, like personally in a different light, you know, like I don't know how to describe the way I'm trying to explain this, but like, um, some of the movies we've watched have a way of sort of resonating in different experiences that I am witnessing in my own life. Does that make sense D- depending on the time that I watch them, right? like they can they can reach out to to moments uh, in my life that just mean something differently at the time. This movie, I feel like has a statement that is going to stay the same no matter what I'm going through, you know, and maybe it's because mortality is in a way like universally being fought against, but ultimately going to be experienced in this, um, you know, journey through life is like, that is a constant. So this message is a constant. Um, I don't know, but it just, to me, I wasn't as excited to jump back into it despite its structure to want to pull you back in and rewatch it. Like, I think that was kind of my, my hiccup is I was like, I don't feel like I need to go watch this movie again, even though I can clearly see how many people would say you should. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's like sort of a strange blocker, Cameron. Does, does that sort of explain like where I'm coming from in my interpretation of the ending?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say like, for me, what's exciting about the ending is it comes it it all it all sort of it makes you think about the movie in it in sort of a an upside down way, um, and that's more the filmmaking and less necessarily the the sort of end statement. I mean, I I I do agree with you in that like obviously what it's trying to say is um, you know life is is filled with tragedy, um, but we um, you know, we appreciate the things that are, that draw us together. We appreciate the, those times that we, you know, um, you know, we have with each other, even if it's going to end ultimately in, in, you know, tragedy and, you know, fair enough. I mean, that's true, you know, like that's, that's a, that's a true statement, um, which is also why I think it's, it's, um, it's an, you know, even if it's sort of something that we all know, it's something that, um, is, is universal, universally applicable. Um, and something that I think, you know, is, um, is we can all sort of understand what the movie is saying, um, which is probably why I think it, it resonates, um, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think it's also a testament to what the original purpose of sci-fi is in a way where it's like, there's this science fiction setting that's like kind of all out there. And then it really has this ability to draw you into this like statement that is real to all, you know, I, I like to think about sort of some of the original Star Trek stuff that I've watched that is just so heavily like, influenced by human political culture where like there's all these experiences of like diplomacy and deciding like how to navigate relationships with people that you might not really understand um and i just found like in in star trek like that is such a powerful draw in its statements because you can despite all the wacky space travel and aliens and stuff, like it's so clearly aimed at, um, experiences that we witness all the time. And so to this movie's credit, like it is hearkening back to the heart of what science fiction aimed at originally. And it does it in such a clear cut effective method, right? It's it's, it is, it is super well done.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say, yeah, it's totally a, a scalpel. Um, to the sci-fi genre, it's very much, you know, it knows what it needs to be. Um, it cuts out any fat and any sort of, um, you know, anything that it makes a sci-fi movie bloated or uninteresting. It cuts that all out. Even, um, I, uh, you know, the, the whole the whole plot with the soldiers, um, you know, where they where they plant the the C four and they they're kind of being aggressive to it. That's even like basically just irrelevant to to the direction of the movie and they barely focus on it at all uh you know you don't have this like giant action scene outside where you know you know it's like that's totally would be in a normal sci-fi movie where it's like oh we gotta pump up the action or uh we gotta you know make sure people are still engaged um and it's like you know obviously for that scene the importance is that they're on a timer and that's tense um i guess but uh but it it cuts out any fat along with with what the the implications of that comes from, and in the you know the conclusion to that scene where he's like, oh, it's just a bunch of soldiers, you know, it totally is like is dismissed um, because it's not the point of the movie. Um, which in any other you know in in any other movie and any other in the hands of any other director, that would be like a central conflict, and that would be like the climax of the movie. Where the climax of this movie is like the realization of um sort of the you know the the power of what you know what Louise now has which is language um which is like <laughs> so random and not um you know not what you would expect for from a sci-fi movie but it totally is when you consider sci-fi is is sort of interested in the universal interested in the um the expansion of of our minds in terms of um, what is actually you know what not just what's out there but what's um, what does it mean to be a human what does it mean to be you know to to have these sort of universal um, ideas and universal common th- thoughts and goals. Um, and you know, sci-fi has done it obviously in many different ways i think the i think the thing is actually a great example of like the opposite of this movie um where it's totally you know the fat is is stripped out and the um you know everything is so tight with that movie but it's it's talking about the darker side of humanity it's talking about sort of the um, the paranoia, the um, you know, the abrasion, the, it, you know, it's about sort of what what happens when we tear each other apart, and so it's totally the foil to to a movie like this where it's talking about sort of the universal, the common humanity, the common goal. Um, I don't know. It's it's very interesting. That's why I think sci-fi is an effective genre and is something that that will continue to go on. Um, you know, I mean, sci-fi is here to stay, basically, is what I'm trying to say.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it, it basically gives a lot of creative freedom with the way that you can, like, um, have all this wild setting and experiential, like, m- mom- Like, I, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like sci-fi offers a creative option for setting uh, art direction, like you can go really far out there and hook people with sort of the cover, you know, like how, can I, like people say, don't judge a book by its cover, but sometimes you're looking at, you know, either a movie's title um, or its picture, and you're like, am I going to be a part of that? And then the back end is to really affect someone with a powerful statement. And I think what's great about a movie uh, about rival, is that it's modern. And it has realized like that is the best sci-fi, you know, it's not Transformers, uh, you know, rise of the dark moon or whatever, you know, age of robot dinosaurs like that is not the sci-fi, despite it having a wild looking cover that's going to stay around. You know, it's it's sort of like what I'm starting to feel about like superhero movies where you're you're starting to see like they we've all seen a good superhero movie right but the ones that really are beginning to stand out as classics are like movies like logan which i i mean it's probably not a perfect film but it's it is using its setting almost like a sci-fi setting and then trying to say something bigger than what the movie's cover looks like right So I think that's where sci-fi thrives. I think that's where a lot of genres honestly thrive, right? (laughs) Is meaning something. Um, It's the cover that is that easy way to get someone in the seat, you know?
1: Yeah. um, I think maybe as we close out this sort of, you know, month and a half, um, you know, we can have... I I think it'd be interesting to have a discussion about sort of... um, What's important about the genre? What's next for the genre? Um, sort of where it's where it's had its successes and its failures. I know we've you know we've only explored a, a little bit of sci-fi, but we're both you know we're both pretty familiar and pretty um, pretty interested in in sci-fi as a, as a genre. Um, and I, I like I like what you said um, about how it's um, it's something that is uh it it's it's a um you know it's a way to get you in the door and it's a way to play with with setting and um you know and it gives the artist so much creative freedom um i would say for me sci-fi is most interesting when um it's sort of a mixture of of different elements of of film that is reflecting um you know something that we all know and understand. I mean, like sci-fi is, um, sci-fi is a a good way to, to smuggle ideas, um, into, into your, um, into your, you know, your movies in a way that would, would seem like half baked or, or weird or, um, irrelevant for, for a lot of other movies. I think sci-fi is most interesting when it's, um, you know, when there's a clear direction of where it wants to go, um, you know, whether that be in the talking about humanity or whether it be exploring, you know, even exploring history or exploring, um, things that have happened in the past. Um, which is why for me, oh, did I tell you I watched, oh gosh, um, I watched the Snyder cut the other day.
0: Oh my gosh. Uh, We uh, like, let's. No, you didn't. I Um, want to hear your thoughts on the other side. I'll kind of
1: just say um, a little bit right now because so me and Juzo watched it um, over uh, a couple days ago on Wednesday, I think. Um, And uh, what was so bothersome to me was um, I was looking at a movie like that and I was looking at a movie like, um, you know, the Lord of the Rings trilogy where it has some of the, it has very similar elements um, in some ways, you know, it's grand. It's, it's the scale is Epic. There's, there's heroes and villains. Um, but with this movie, it just completely um, doesn't work. And you don't care about anything. <laughs> like you don't care about what's going on. You don't care about the, the motivations. Um, where Whereas in, you know, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, it's, it's like, you know, three times as long or whatever, but you, you are so hooked and so interested in, um, in these characters and for me and why I'm bringing it up in, in the context of sci-fi, um, these are, you know, obviously, um, you know, Tolkien was very interested in exploring the, the ideas of, um, of theology, exploring the ideas of the, um, the mythical, the fantastic, um, and fantasy is, is, uh, maybe the quintessential example of this because everything has to mean something else, um, because, or else it's just completely unrelated, you know, like it, it, it has to have some relevance into what we, what we understand, what is, you know, common knowledge. Um, and Tolkien is, um, he's so brilliant because he's, he's able to interlace things in a way that, um, is meaningful and impactful and is like archetypal, you know, like you, you get it because, um, because it is, it's almost innate. Like you understand the forces of, you know, of, of good and of evil. And it's as much as it is, it's not even simplistic in the way that he does it but you know as much as it might sound simplistic um it is weaved together so effortlessly and brilliantly um that it it actually works and sci-fi is another realm where you can you can clearly do this um, and clearly get away with it and st- uh it, it's a place that i just don't think um is explored very much at the moment. Personally, I don't. I don't think modern sci-fi movies, as much as there are, there are really great ones. Um, you know, there's only a few examples that I can point to where it's like actually trying to explore something meaningful and interesting. Um, and if we're including superhero movies in that, it's like it's totally gone down the toilet. Like there's, <laughs> there's no. You know, the, for me, superhero movies have stopped exploring things that are, that are interesting and archetypal, um, and have just become dumb (laughs) personally, but
0: yeah. Yeah. And I can see you saying that so strongly (laughs) after watching, uh, the Snyder cut too. I mean, that's understandable. Um, I agree with you. I think that, uh, the, sci-fi movies that really become classics have that touch. And I think there's an important distinction to make because I thought of The Matrix when you were talking, right? And I feel like so often sci-fi movies can want to have this statement, right? They can want to have um, these big ideas that are explored, but they come across as just what ifs. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like just what if what if it was all a simulation? What if, you know, humanity was on the brink of destruction? What if, you know, the real punch in the gut is when an individual or like a protagonist, right, has that journey that comes up with a realization or something like that. Like the my frustration with The Matrix is it left me empty even as a kid watching it because it was just like, wouldn't this just be like, wow, like, wouldn't, it? wow, like, what, what, what would humanity do, you know, and I'm not saying that they're the worst, like, because I enjoy watching the Matrix movies, and the trippy questions that they throw out there, but they really, at the end of the day, aren't, um, they aren't making a statement that's gonna, like, really affect you, you know, like, that's really gonna, like, move you in life arrival has an attempt to do that it didn't connect with me i think maybe the same way it connected with you um but i at least see like how clearly they aimed for that and you know other movies like blade runner right with the question of what does it mean to be like human right that whole idea of you know valuing life right all together um like that—that that sort of thing is is so much deeper than what, um, you know, the Matrix trilogy attempts to say. You know, you know what I mean. Um, and and, and uh, maybe you disagree, but I, and I don't know if Matrix is the best example, but I hope you understand like what I'm what I'm trying to cut at in in that.
1: Right? Yeah, I I mean I haven't seen the Matrix, or I I haven't seen the sequels of the matrix um but am i i mean in my viewing of the first matrix i thought it was really good and and very interesting in the way that um you know the i i think the relevance is about sort of free will and agency um and i would say that's sort of what it's trying to get at more than anything um and i think it does a really good job actually uh, of of exploring the ideas of being a um you know, being someone who, who takes control of your, of your, um, you know, takes control of your, your life, uh, being someone who, you know, who takes the red pill instead of the blue pill, um, you know, understanding the, the, the differences between just, um, following and being a cog versus being, you know, uh, being a Neo. You know what? You're like, you're totally right. I'm like, (laughs) I
0: was like, that's a horrible example that I was like, Oh geez, Cameron's like completely uprooting my example. (laughs) You, uh, I'm trying to think of sci-fi movies that are like more dumb. There's plenty of them, right? There's plenty of them.
1: You know, I think of something like, uh, you know, like the prequels where it's so, it's so close to being something that's, uh, that's, excellent but it it completely fails because i i want to see a prequel trilogy where it's all about sort of political corruption it's all about sort of the the climb to power of this of this very you know um this this sort of ambitious um leader the the sort of Uh, destruction of a republic that's cool that's interesting to me but it's so shoved in the background that like it doesn't it doesn't mean anything it doesn't do anything um and and so like for me like i want so where i was going with this in in the in the first place was i i want a um i want a uh I want a sci-fi that leans heavily into, um, you know, things like, like historical examples from the past or, um, you know, wars in, in, you know, in Europe or, you know, like Shakespeare's epic, uh, you know, historical plays or something like that. Like I want, I want, um, you know, I want sci-fi films that lean into, um, the the places where it hasn't been um that probably aren't interesting to any anybody else but that would be like um you know like that's why i loved the first you know few seasons of game of thrones was because it was it's all about sort of the 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 political machinations of um this society and different interests vying for power and you know people people trying to become the you know the leader and you know like it's just interesting that's interesting to me i don't care about all the stuff that happens later on but what what i liked about that movie or that that show was was that it was it was relying heavily on um you know on like machiavelli and like you know exploring those interesting depths of of um you know of humanity just just
0: no more movies about pocahontas like i hate avatar jim cameron's (laughs) avatar like we don't need another like pocahontas statement none of that like gosh i can't believe they're trying to make like a hundred avatar movies or something like what are they thinking
1: yeah they have like four more lined up i think (laughs) i just i I never
0: understood that film like as far like that to me was one of those sci-fi movies that i was like this movie is trying to be, but it's not, you know, like that's just like where it was landing.
1: Yeah. Avatar kind of sucks. Um, a hundred percent agree with you. It's so, um, it's so simplistic in what it's, what it's talking about. Like it's so, um, I don't know. I, I, I agree. Avatar is like really, um, really not very good. But they're making a bajillion others.
0: The next one's <laughs> gonna be based off the Lorax, so that's like its its greatest statement, you know, just retreading that story.
1: We already got the greatest Lorax movie uh, with Danny Danny DeVito as the Lorax, so there's no need to to retread that ground. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, I think that pretty much wraps it up for Arrival, Cameron. Do you want to
0: say anything else? I mean, maybe we'll do a follow-up episode on sci-fi. That would be interesting or something. We we don't know how we're going to close out this month just quite yet, Percent of a Spectator, because we're cracking into a new month. We extended sci-fi month. Are we going to do one more sci-fi film, Cameron, or are we going to just skip to some one-offs?
1: I don't know. I I want to say we should, go, we should move on to one-offs, but I don't really have... Um, a ton of ideas at the moment so um i mean i'll get back to you on that we have to record the commentary um and we'll we'll do it in we'll do it together this time um and yeah i would say expect it to be um a one-off maybe something interesting um maybe we'll lead into into the next month of what we're doing but um most likely it'll just be you know, Uh, A couple movies that I'm interested in, or a couple movies that I uh, would like to explore with Isaac. So
0: awesome. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I have a couple ideas in my head of where we could go just as a casual movie viewer that I've missed out on some stuff, or we could explore some Oscar territory. I don't know. Depends just because those kind of finished up. Cameron, thank you for your time as always. Making me sound dumb when the <laughs> Matrix comparison. I was like, oh, shoot. I, I never heard anybody interpret that film so clearly. I was like, oh, wow. Maybe I should watch that movie again. I well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a it, while, that so. movie's
1: about free will, just very clearly. Um, yeah. Which is why it's interesting. I mean, it's a it's a great movie.
0: I love it. Well, we post every Monday. Again, you can support us at patreon.com slash productions. Get cool stuff. Tim, we already read a question, so I'm not expanding on your quite he sent us this one long message on the patreon messenger it's like questions for weeks so other patreons please we don't want to read from tim smith's long paragraph essay um but he'll probably be back again for the next episode uh we love you guys thanks for your support and we'll see you next week cinema spectator is an ecfs productions podcast executive produced by darren o'neill if you want your name read in the credits of the show you can check us out at patreon.com slash ecfs productions to achieve this status thank you darren for the support and for the rest of you we appreciate your support as well have a good one